Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. If you're looking for more of the gripping mysteries you love, the Forensic Files 2 podcast is back, and it's packed with plenty of twists and turns. Come along as investigators, scientists, and other experts piece together evidence, clues, and data in search of the answers behind violent crimes, unexplainable mysteries, and other strange occurrences. Listen to Forensic Files 2 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fans of the 48 Hours podcast know that a good lead is always worth checking out. And if you're a listener who enjoys from the car, you'll want to know that the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, the new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain or wherever your story takes you. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Joshua Tree National Park is a very large and desolate area. There's not a lot of water in these areas, and it gets very hot during the day and very cold at night. It's a beautiful area. The Joshua Trees are like something out of a Dr. Seuss book. Erin Corwin was a 19-year-old pregnant Marine wife. On June 28, 2014, Erin woke up her husband, John Corwin, about six or seven in the morning. The initial story we received was Erin had gone to Joshua Tree National Park to look for uh, nice hiking routes for her and her mother. John called and he said, Erin's missing. And I'm like, what do you mean Erin's missing? And my first thought is she's gotten lost. Aaron has no sense of direction. I actually got a call from the base commander saying that he had sent out troops to help look for her and they had found nothing. It becomes very drastic at that point. She's not very large and she's not gonna last long out there. There was a massive search and rescue to locate Aaron Corwin. They searched in temperatures that climbed as high as 110, 115. The dogs were getting heat stroke. They even encountered killer bees. It was a really grueling, tough search. You don't know what the monster is in the dark in the closet out there. 
I think a lot of people first became familiar with Joshua Tree National Park through the album Joshua Tree by the Irish band U2 that came out in the 1980s. And there's a song on that album called Mothers of the Disappeared. But the words really spoke with what I felt like Laura must have gone through, not knowing where her daughter was. And out in the desert where the Joshua trees were, she was out there somewhere. It was big news for such a small area. Everybody was talking about it. People were looking for her. There was buzz on base. We know that she is out there. It's just a matter of us trying to figure out exactly where. John did tell me that he thought she'd taken a Gatorade, which is nothing in those situations. He sounded concerned. There wasn't a lot of emotion in his voice, but John, that's John. There seemed to be evidence that he liked to keep an eye on Aaron and make sure that he knew where she was. You're not pointing fingers. You want to find where Aaron is. You're questioning him, of course. When was the last time you saw her? Where did she say she was going to go? Does she have any friends? Aaron was not the type of person who would just leave and not tell anyone. Her husband was calling her, her mother was calling her, her friends were calling her, and it went straight to voicemail. That was a sign that something was wrong. When they handed me that card that said Special Investigative Homicide Team, it just makes your heart sink. NCIS mission is global. We're on aircraft carriers, we're in foreign ports. We watch after each other, we take care of each other. NCIS deal with every type of crime. Cyber, fraud, murder. General crimes, counterintelligence, counterterrorism. Every crime is a tragedy. It involves sisters, brothers, husbands. That's the only way to find the truth. We live in dangerous times, and we're never going to give up. NCIS, the cases they can't forget. In search of more mysteries to listen to, get an Audible membership. They've got the best selection of audio titles from every genre, including true crime, celebrity memoirs, business, and so much more. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. I recommend The Art Thief by Michael Finkel. I love a good heist story. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. 
Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. I think agents become so attached to these cases because it's such a huge investment. It's not a nine-to-five job. It takes so much focus, so much energy to stay on some of these cases, to follow them through to the end. This is a person. This isn't a case. This is not a number. This is a human being. You can't forget that this person has a family, has a husband, has a mother. They wanted to know where Aaron was, and you can't forget that. Erin was one of our adopted children. She came to the house when she was 17 days old. It's a lot to take in, especially from probably your least adventurous child, a child that you would never expect something like that to happen to. A helicopter took off Friday morning. The San Bernardino Sheriff's search and rescue team paired up with NCIS agents for the massive job of finding Erin Corrin. Last seen driving away from her home at the base for a trip to Joshua Tree National Park. They had to comb through more than 300 rugged acres of desert, pitted with more than a thousand abandoned mines. So I flew out the next day. I was thinking when they find her, she's going to be really in bad shape and she's going to want her mom. Erin was petite, 5'2", small girl, blue eyes, dirty blonde hair, very pretty. Of course, I'm her mom. At first, it seemed like a small story out in 29 Palms, but for me, it had a lot to do with photographs of her. Beth Ford Roth was a journalist with National Public Radio in San Diego when she first heard about Aaron Corwin. The story struck a chord. You could see Aaron was a shy, bashful, sweet, kind girl, and I had a soft spot for her because of her love for animals. It was hard to find a photo of Erin where she wasn't holding a cat or with her horse. We are at East Tennessee Riding Club in Oak Ridge. This is where Erin first really experienced horses. When she first started, I assured her we would never get a horse. We ended up with two. This place was actually Erin's second home. And I believe if she could, she would have slept here. Erin and John met at the barn. She was like in fifth grade at that time. She was 15, then they kind of reconnected and they started dating on her 16th birthday. John was great for Erin. He was a good kid. He already knew he was going to be a Marine. Erin was 18 when she married John. They got married in November of 2012. Soon after, Erin and John moved to the Marine Combat Base in 29 Palms, California. John took part in artillery drills that sometimes kept him out in the desert for as long as a month at a time, while Aaron was left to adjust to living on a military base. 
29 Palms itself is very unique because it's in a desert community, which is very remote. And there's not a whole lot there. A uh, base like this is very close-knit. You're gonna go to the same grocery store. You're gonna go to the same movie theater. You're gonna run into each other. You're gonna see everybody there all the time. No one on the base reported seeing Erin leave, so NCIS agents naturally began their investigation with her husband. He waited 24 hours to call to say that she was missing, which seemed sort of suspicious at first. But John had passed a polygraph test. Authorities also said digital evidence led them to conclude that John had been at the base nearly the entire day Erin had gone missing. Shortly after Aaron Corwin disappeared, investigators found her car abandoned. Aaron Corwin's car was located significantly far from Joshua Tree National Park's entrance. She was not with the vehicle. It was a mystery to us why that car was parked in that location and not closer to the park. Aaron's mother, Laura Haviland, sounded the alarm to Aaron's friends. This is not the time to be loyal. If you've heard from her, you need to let somebody know. I searched through a bunch of individuals' Facebook friends, including Aaron's, and I was trying to find common links between who was friends with who and how those people knew each other. And I slowly grew to know Aaron from my research. She started volunteering at the White Rock Horse Rescue Ranch, and that's where she started meeting some people and slowly gathering her social circle. Agent DeChelfin discovered that Aaron had become close friends with her next door neighbors, Marine Corporal Chris Lee, his wife Nicole, and the couple's five-year-old daughter, Liberty. They all loved horses and spent a lot of time at the rescue ranch. She came to the White Rock Horse Rescue to find a horse for her own personal use. And Nicole would come with her because Nicole had a horse, so they rode together. Aaron also loved children and became a babysitter to the Lee's daughter. And Aaron really took her in, and Liberty was very, very fond of Aaron, and she really bonded with that little girl. I think Aaron was enjoying some aspects of being a Marine wife, and other aspects, I think it was harder than what she anticipated. Harder and full of heartache when, after posting news of her pregnancy on Facebook, early in 2014, Aaron suffered a miscarriage. I don't think either one of them knew how to handle that grief process. Aaron was devastated and really didn't have anyone to talk to. And Christopher Lee saw that as his in to Aaron. He knew the right way to approach her because she was hurting so badly. And as he even said, we were two broken pieces that fit together. He took advantage of her being so naive and he manipulated her. I actually called Jessie and asked her about it. Jessica Trentum, also known as Jessie, was Aaron's best friend who was still back in their hometown of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Aaron definitely confided to Jessie in a different way than she confided with me. June 29th, after Jessie and I had talked on the phone, she texted me and said that Aaron was going out to the desert with someone by the name of Chris Lee. Aaron confided to Jesse that she and Chris Lee had become close, developing feelings for each other. 
Christopher Lee was not happy with the direction his life was going in. And Aaron was a next door neighbor who was beautiful and innocent and sweet. Christopher Lee preyed on the part of Aaron that loved to take care of things that were hurting. And he used that to get her to fall in love with him. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We have this responsibility to help protect the warfighter by extension, the warfighter's dependence. We take that very seriously. I remember being on an airplane. Every other passenger had that People magazine cover with John Corwin and Aaron Corwin's picture. I was like overwhelmed. This is so big and I'm a part of this. That just also reminds you, you have a job to do. NCIS agent Clifton Randolph had learned that a friend of Aaron's possessed important information about the 19-year-old's disappearance. So he quickly dispatched agent Sean Nash to the home of Jessica Trendham back in Tennessee. I first meet Jessica at her residence. We did a manual search of her phone and we identified several text messages that were important to the investigation. It appeared that Aaron and Christopher Lee had a romantic relationship. Jessica confirmed the information in those texts, telling Agent Nash that Aaron Corwin and Chris Lee had been having a torrid love affair for months, ever since Chris learned of Aaron's miscarriage. He made her feel important by saying, I'm going through a really tough time now too. I don't connect with my family anymore. I play Russian roulette every morning. That decides whether I'm gonna have another day or not. And Aaron had a purpose now. It was to keep Chris alive. Jesse was the only person who knew that relationship was ongoing. 
To this day, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around that because that's not who Aaron was. That wasn't the only secret Aaron had been keeping from her mother. I did not know that Aaron was pregnant. I found out when I got to the apartment, John told me she was pregnant. This new pregnancy came only months after Aaron's miscarriage, and John was overjoyed. He believed he was the father and had no idea that Aaron had secretly confided to Chris that the baby was his, according to Jessica Trentum. Aaron texted her friend Jesse in Tennessee that Chris was very excited about it, that he wanted to tell everyone. At least, that's what Chris apparently told Aaron. In the meantime, he was making plans to move his family back to Alaska. In late June 2014, Chris was under pressure from all sides when he texted Aaron and invited her out to the desert for a surprise. Supposedly he had a special surprise for her in response to her pregnancy. Aaron texted Jessica and he said, he's honestly not sure how I'm going to react. Jessica had texted back to Aaron some emojis with a ring and a diamond and then kiss symbols. I would assume that would be an engagement ring. The strong bond between Aaron and Chris did not surprise Isabel Megley, the owner of the horse ranch where the couple spent so many hours. Chris Lee loved to make people laugh. And Aaron was somebody that gave him the pleasure, whereas Nicole was very strict, told him what to do, and that's what the problem was, was that Chris and Nicole didn't have that relationship, but he found the relationship with Aaron. Upon hearing about these tangled relationships, investigators, with the help of NCIS, went to question Chris Lee. He said that he knew Aaron, but they were just acquaintances, and he knew her from the horse ranch. Detectives were also questioning Isabel Megley, and she told them about a memorable conversation she'd had with Chris the weekend before Aaron went missing. Chris was saying he went on an excursion in the desert with his friend. And I said, oh, that must have been funny. He said, oh, wait till you see my pictures. And I found the perfect mine. I found this mine that nobody will ever find. And I just said, wow. And then when she went missing, I knew she was in a mine. So I told the detectives. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you 
It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. As NCIS agents and deputies from the San Bernardino Sheriff's Office continued their joint investigation into Aaron Corwin's disappearance, they discovered that Chris Lee had been looking at mines the weekend before Aaron disappeared. But which mines? Joshua Tree National Park and the surrounding area, they have thousands of mines. But investigators needed an expert to help them comb through all those mines. Search and rescue members pointed to one man, Doug Billings. You guys okay back there? You see belted in? Doug Billings is an expert in caves and mines. He actually grew up in the area of Joshua Tree and as a child spent his summers there with his grandparents. Doug Billings is the caveman. Then I'm just gonna rig the rack. He's also been called the mine whisperer. All right, everything looks good, unclip. He knows all about every single mine that is out in the Mojave Desert. Backwards we walk. And he's the only human being on the planet who does. There's a lot of loose debris on the ledges. Pretty crumbly. I didn't even know Aaron's name at the beginning. And then I shortly got a call back saying, as they found more information, that there was some information about abandoned mines possibly being involved in the search. There's so many mine shafts out there. And so much vast territory. Words don't do it justice. It's just a whole lot of nothing out there. But Doug and the sheriff's search and rescue team pushed on. And then, on July 1st, three days after Aaron told her friend that she was heading into the desert to meet Chris Lee, investigators brought the Marine in for a formal interview. He was cooperative, did not request a lawyer, and honest enough to admit that he and Aaron had been having an emotional affair. She was someone that I could tell stuff that I didn't want to tell anybody else, you know, because she was a secret so I could tell her my secrets. Christopher Lee had the advantage over Aaron Cohen in the sense that he was older, he had seen combat, he had more experience than her, that he could manipulate the situation with Aaron Corwin. It, it never went past kissing. Okay. Um, in that, never had any type of intercourse with her? No. So as far as we went was making out and like hands moving across each other's bodies. I, I thought I was in love with her, but like it was just that make-believe life that I was in love with. When you told her that you loved her, did she tell you that she loved her? She did. Okay. And I honestly I kinda think she meant it. Three hours into the interrogation, investigators changed tactics. Here's the deal, man. 
I've been doing this a long time. And we're going to find out what happened to Aaron. She's not okay. Something happened out there. And she's not okay. And we're not going to stop until the truth is out there. We know that you met with her on Saturday morning. The day that she went missing. We know that. And we also know that you were one of the last people to see her alive. Are you a cold-blooded killer? Did something happen? Was there an accident? That didn't see her on Saturday. Okay, uh, we're, we're past that. This moment, okay, this moment right now is the most important moment of your life. We can't change what happened in the past. And we can choose our fate from right now. If something happens, whatever it is, we have to be honest. Because you know she's pregnant with your child. She wasn't pregnant with my child. Maybe you really don't know. I don't know. But that's what she's telling everybody. Detectives strongly suspected Chris Lee had killed Aaron Corwin, but lacked the proof to arrest him. We'll meet you home right now, right? After four hours of questioning, investigators turned him loose. By sheer coincidence, Chris Lee finished his tour of service with the Marines that weekend, and with no charges pending against him, he was honorably discharged. But the discharge meant he had to move out of base housing so Chris, his wife Nicole, and their five-year-old daughter Liberty temporarily moved into an extra room at Isabel Megley's horse ranch. It turned out to be very stressful. The police were here, the detectives were here. Detectives were talking to Megley when she casually mentioned an item she says Chris Lee had left in her car, a potato gun or potato launcher like this one. A potato gun is a high-powered, destructive device that basically launches potatoes. Projectiles of that type. Out of the blue comes the detective. He said, that's a felony. We will get him right away, because he put it in your car. So they went and got a warrant based on the potato launcher. It actually qualifies uh, in California as an explosive device. That is how they got him arrested, because they couldn't get him arrested without reason. After being arrested for possession of a destructive device, Chris Lee got a lawyer, made bail, and was ordered not to leave the area. With the desert temperatures soaring, and no sign of Aaron, her mother, who had held out hope that their 19-year-old daughter would be found alive, came to accept that Aaron was likely dead, murdered by the man who had stolen her heart. They found on her, her laptop that she had been looking for apartments in Alaska. I believe he was probably leading her on. I know he was writing her love notes. When the relationship was found out and they felt they couldn't see each other anymore, he wrote her a, a poem that was found actually in her materials after she disappeared. Like it or not, you still hold a piece of my heart. Ready or not, we were gonna get caught. Don't give up, and I won't too. Hopefully, like me, you still think I love you. 
Aaron bought into it hook, line, and sinker. But by winning Aaron's heart, Chris had backed himself into a corner. How was he going to explain Aaron's pregnancy to his wife, Nicole? I believe at some point, Chris Lee knew that the gig was up. He knew that the only way he was going to be able to solve this problem was to kill Aaron Corwin. So he began figuring out the best way to do that without getting caught. Thanks to information provided by Isabel Megley, investigators had located these photos of abandoned mines that Chris and a friend had taken the week before Aaron went missing. Detectives presented those photos to Doug Billings. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, I know exactly where those are and described the area. Doug pinpointed a nondescript hole in the ground called the Rose of Peru Mine. And it was just like, she has to be in that canyon. Told it was the last mine of the day. The way they conducted the search was to drop essentially a video camera down to the bottom of the mine shaft. They were getting ready to end it for the day. And at the bottom of this particular mine shaft, they saw the body of Aaron Corwin. And sure enough, she was right there. She was steps away from me. On August 16th, at about midnight our time, the phone rang. And it was one of the detectives telling me that they had found a body down a mine shaft, and they were pretty sure that it was Aaron. I would say it's a major miracle that they found Aaron. It's like finding a needle in a thousand haystacks. Detectives immediately went to the horse ranch to arrest Chris Lee, but there was a surprise in store. Chris and his family had vanished. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To all my foot, back, and knee pain sufferers, this one's for you. Check out G-Defy, a modern footwear company on a mission to relieve knee, back, and foot pain. Every pair comes with two free custom orthotics to align your body perfectly. And their patented VersoShock trampoline technology in the heel absorbs harmful shocks and provides positive renewed energy empowering you to tackle your day. Don't just take my word for it. Read the countless customer reviews raving about the pain relief and amazing comfort they have experienced with G-Defy shoes. Experience pain-free living for yourself and visit gdefy.com, that's G-D-E-F-Y dot com, and use code PODCAST30 to receive $30 off your order of $100 or more. After Aaron Corwin's body was discovered in the Rose of Peru mineshaft, an autopsy revealed that the 19-year-old had been strangled. But Aaron's body was too badly decomposed to determine if she was pregnant. Christopher Lee uh, strangled Aaron Corwin with a homemade garrote. It's pretty brutal. It's horrifying. It's a terrible thing to even imagine someone doing to somebody else. Let alone somebody that 
they had a romantic relationship with somebody that they had been intimate with. It makes you wonder if she knew who she was getting involved with. Did he ever really care about her? Aaron's remains were turned over to her husband, John. Aaron was cremated. John has her ashes. A few of us in the family have a few ashes in like a little pendant. The Marines did grant him leave. He was pretty quiet. That's typical John. It's hard to read him, to know what his thoughts are. John was part of the candlelight vigil later held at the Tennessee barn where Aaron first learned to ride. I hugged so many necks of people I didn't know. The support that we got from complete strangers is just unbelievable. In the days following the discovery of Aaron's body, NCIS agents and sheriff's deputies had continued the manhunt for Chris Lee, who had fled from the horse ranch along with his wife and daughter. That's when Cliff asked me if I could assist with potentially trying to locate Lee in coordination with San Bernardino. I have access to database checks, and the average person does not have access to those same databases. NCIS agent Ashley DeChelfin was able to track Chris Lee to his home state of Alaska, and on August 22, 2014, six days after Aaron's remains were found, Chris Lee was arrested for her murder. Prosecutor Sean Doherty says evidence found in Lee's car further tied him to Aaron's murder. When Chris Lee was arrested in Alaska, the vehicle he was pulled over in contained a makeshift garage. That garage was similar to the one found wrapped around Aaron's neck. It was just one of several pieces of evidence discovered with Aaron's body. That mine shaft turned out to be filled with evidentiary gold. At the bottom of the mine was, uh, along with Aaron, was a propane tank. That propane tank was seen by a neighbor, a fellow Marine, that morning in the back of Chrisley's Jeep. He asked Chrisley about it, and Chrisley said he was going to blow up a mine shaft. That propane tank was borrowed from a horse ranch that both Chris Lee and Aaron Corwin adopted and took care of horses at. He saw my propane tank and said, can I have this? And I said, you can have it if you want it. So he took it, and he never brought it back. All of the evidence would point to him being at the mine shaft with Aaron Corwin and him committing the murder. There was numerous pieces of circumstantial evidence. There was a makeshift torch, which was a stick with a Marine Corps t-shirt wrapped around it. And there was only one person's DNA on the t-shirt and that was Christopher Lee. The most damning piece of evidence was a Sprite bottle with the cap still on it. And it had the DNA of only two people, Aaron Corwin, and Christopher Lee. In October 2016, after a change in venue, and more than two years after Aaron had kissed her husband goodbye, Chris Lee stood trial for first-degree murder in a San Bernardino courtroom. Aaron's mother was there, filled, she says, with an eerie calm. I felt a peace that couldn't be explained pretty much through the whole trial. I had so many people praying for me, that's the only way I can explain the peace that I felt. Like everyone else at the trial, Aaron's mother was struck by the dramatic change in Chris Lee's appearance. Chris lost a ton of weight. I don't know that I would have recognized him if I was just walking down the street. 
The prosecutor presented a parade of witnesses. And after eight days of wrenching testimony, the prosecutor ended his case by showing jurors the love poem Chris Lee wrote to Aaron Corwin. The evidence seemed overwhelming. The defense would need something dramatic to counter the state's evidence. And it did not disappoint. I just felt so much hate, so much rage. I wasn't going to let anybody hurt my daughter again. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice. Only on Freebie. No one was prepared for what Chris Lee would say when he took the stand in his own defense. But his testimony brought the trial to a standstill. And I think that the jury saw exactly what type of person Christopher Lee was. I was surprised when I saw his testimony, what he said that he had done to Aaron Corwin. And the manner and his facial expressions, kind of like he was reading off. A script. Yeah, a, a script. The former Marine began explaining to the jurors that on June 28, 2014, in the desert surrounding Joshua Tree National Park, he and Aaron were two very different people with two very different agendas. He claimed that he told Aaron, when I move to Alaska, it's over between us. I sat there and put my head down and closed my eyes. But Laura Havlin says she heard every word. Chris Lee, in his direct testimony, essentially said that while he was out there, he'd been having a hard time emotionally and struggling. And at one point while he was there, he grabbed a weapon and was playing Russian roulette. Aaron became very disturbed by that, became upset. She told him that she wanted to be part of his daughter's life, that she wanted to be with him and wanted to move to Alaska with him. He became enraged and told her that his daughter was his and not hers, and she didn't have any right to want to be with her. And asked Aaron if 
Aaron had molested his daughter, and Aaron said yes, but... That accusation came out of the blue, but hit like a lightning bolt. The prosecutor says it was blatantly false because Chris and Nicole had never called police about the alleged abuse, and they had never taken liberty to a doctor to report it. His story was ridiculous. Just even from the basic fact of a 19-year-old girl being out in the middle of the desert with someone she loves and, according to him, confessing to a horrible crime, just doesn't pass the smell test at all. Not only did he throw Aaron under the bus, he threw his daughter under the bus. There's just no way. Absolutely no way Aaron would do anything like that. But Chris did not back away from his story. He doubled down on it, saying he was stunned by Aaron's supposed confession. I just kept choking her. I don't know how long it was. It might have been five minutes, 10 minutes. It felt like forever. And I just kept choking her. One thing that does kind of haunt me is what was going through her brain. What was she thinking when he was choking her? She was with somebody that she thought loved her, somebody she felt she could trust. And my only saving grace is I choose to believe that she was unconscious very quick, that she didn't have much time to think about it. Then you threw her down a mine shaft, didn't you? I did. Like a piece of trash. I threw it down the mine shaft, yes. Like a piece of trash. Right? Is that a question? Yes. Yes. It's important for the jurors to hear that. It was important for everyone to hear that, that he threw it down like a piece of garbage. Journalist Beth Ford Roth said the courtroom became extremely quiet as everyone absorbed the horror of Aaron's murder. And I had to put my head down because I began to cry because it was so horrific to me that this man not only broke this poor girl's heart, he murdered her. It was so horrific. There was no evidence Aaron Corn was molesting his daughter other than from him. But Prosecutor Doherty was not done with Chris Lee. Prosecutor had sort of a giant rag doll, basically a, a human-sized doll. He puts the garrote around the doll's neck. And I heard a gasp. And you were gonna follow through with that decision? Yes. Okay, that's about 10 seconds in. You could have stopped, right? No. Minute 20? Still no, huh? No. Can you let go? Can you let go now? Seconds can drag on forever when you're just silent. And I think it was, it was powerful. And um, I think it got his point across. At any time during that three minutes when he's strangling her, he could have stopped, which even further shows premeditation, deliberation. 
During closing arguments, the defense strategy became clear. Was it murder? When Chris Lee's lawyers argued his client was guilty only of involuntary manslaughter. We have to talk about what the evidence actually is. Not first-degree murder. He claimed Chris had not planned to kill Aaron. The day the jury went out, I was so totally drained that I literally was tripping just walking. I could not pick my feet up. It was just a very scary day, because you just don't know, you know, what are all these people thinking? By the next morning, they had a verdict. Guilty of murder in the first degree. We, the jury, in the above entitled... When they read the verdict, I, you know, immediately thought, we've got justice for you, Aaron. Chris Lee received a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. It's a case I'll never forget it. This is a case I won't forget either because it's just something that hits close to home. There were times where it was a little emotional because she's 19 and she had her whole life ahead of her. Laura Haviland asked if she could accompany us to the mine shaft where Aaron's body was discovered. She had never been there but wanted to see it for herself. When you were taken from us, we lost our breath of fresh air. I know without a doubt that you are walking the streets of gold with Jesus, and I will see you again. Nearby, Laura also visited Aaron's garden, the makeshift memorial Doug Billings created near Joshua Tree National Park. I want people to know that Erin was sweet, naive, an incredible young lady. She was not a perfect teenager, but you couldn't have asked for a better teenager. When Erin was talking to you, you felt like you were the most important person in the room. We just didn't have enough time with Erin. You know, you're not supposed to bury your babies. She just went too fast. We have to show that if you murder a dependent spouse, we will pursue you relentlessly. And at some point, you will be brought to justice. If you like 48 Hours, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus. 
Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.